The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Benfica survive, just barely, but survive the first leg of the Europa League play-in round against Toulouse at the Luge tonight. Two Angel Di Maria penalties are the only reason Benfica are going to France with a minimal lead. However, it is a lead, and we got to be happy about that. Plus... Onward we march in the Portuguese Cup. A date with destiny now. A two-legged semifinal awaits with Sporting. And in the league, two points dropped at the weekend at the Don Alphonse Henriques. And I'm here to talk about all of it and talk about some more as well as this is episode 181 of Mr. Benfica. And it starts right now. Vamos! I think it's a, it's a really great club, one of the best clubs in the world, and um, so I think I love football, and if you love football, you love Benfica. Oh, so Mr. Benfica is saying that uh, he's supposed to be working, but instead uh, he's uh, watching uh, Benfica. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. Back with you for another episode here. It is episode 181. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho here with you again, as always. And you can follow me on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's at Mike Agustinho, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. You can find me there, or you can find me on Instagram as well at magustinho 20 M-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O-2-0 on Instagram. Follow the show on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And also check out www.mrbenfica.com. And this is going to be a tough episode to talk about. Let me let me be real with you right now, okay? Uh, I know a lot of people are not happy. I know a lot of fans are not happy right now with this this team, with these performances. Um, it's been a tough week, no doubt about it. It's been a tough week, and I see that too. And and by now, you guys are probably used to me and used to how I tend to to look at these things, how I tend to look at these matches. 
And I'm not going to surprise anybody today. Today's not the day I'm going to start throwing anyone under the bus. Today's not the day that I'm going to start calling for sackings or I'm going to start calling for, you know, whatever. None of that is going to happen today. So if you're looking for that type of an episode, appreciate you for the download. I appreciate you for checking me out. Come back next time. Maybe I'll do it next time. It's not going to be today. No, but for real, y'all, I'm going to talk about these matches. I'm going to tell you. What I think happened, I'm going to try to explain things to you guys. I know not everybody likes to hear that. People like to hear. They like to hear a different style of analysis. That's that's cool. I uh, There's a reason there are so many different podcasts out there, so many different voices covering this team. And there is definitely a podcast and a host for everyone. And I know that I am not everyone's cup of tea. But I'm going to do my best in the next hour or so to... Uh, to give my thoughts on these most these three most recent matches and and I do admit right now for everybody that uh, since the second goal in the cup match against Vizela this team has has looked like a shell of what they were going into into that point and up to that second goal at Vizela so I'm gonna do my best here to talk about it and to explain it I have told you before. If I start to get emotional, then I think the quality of this show goes away. I think what I bring to the table goes away. What makes me different, what makes me unique goes away if I come on here and just start screaming. And and I know in the past I've been very hard on fans. And you know what? Fans have a right to believe what they want to believe. Fans have a right to express their fandom however they want to. My way is this way. It's to talk about these matches. It's to to take a look at situations and try to try to explain them. Try to figure out what happened and try to give my best thoughts on how to correct problems. Okay, I'm gonna do that here in the next hour. Um, now, let us all remember. Let us all remember. In spite of what everyone thinks about the performances, in spite of everyone thinks about the aesthetics of the performances, especially. Benfica right now sit level on points with Sporting, top of the table. Yes, Sporting have a match in hand. And yes, I take it until they drop points. I'm assuming those will be three points, especially on the form that Sporting have been on for quite some time now. However, it's a little concerning and a little bit, um, it's a little bit just... I'm not sure that I have the right words for this. It's a little bit other than disappointing, but uh, just disconcerting. I'm I'm not sure the exact word right now. My brain is is not functioning at its highest uh, optimal level, but it's very hard and sad to see so many Benficias with so much negativity right now. I understand the result in Guimarães was not what we wanted. I also... Understand, and I think everyone needs to understand that had the match ended three minutes earlier, we'd be in a much worse situation. Benfica still have complete control of their destiny in the Portuguese league right now. I know with the way Sporting is playing, it looks impossible. But it's also disheartening. There's the word I was looking for earlier. Disheartening to see so many Benficistas just so certain that Sporting is going to play out the rest of the season 14 matches they have left 
and they've given it as a given that they're going to win all 14 matches. Maybe maybe they'll draw against us, but they have a, you know, basically, Sporting have won, I don't know, eight or nine in a row now. And Befica fans are just accepting. Or maybe they're just preparing themselves. I don't know. But basically, they say with a straight face, and this is where the logic goes out the window, that suddenly... You know, a week ago it was, you know, we were going to keep playing, keep keep getting victories, and we would catch them on the slip-up. Now, because we slipped, people tend to believe, for whatever reason, that that now means Sporting are going to go on and win these last 14 matches, which would put together something like a 25 or 26-match historic winning streak. And that the reason for that is is Roger Schmidt in this match against against Vitoria Gimenez, and uh, well, those those things just don't connect. Okay, there is a lot of football left. Yes, Sporting are flying, but they have a lot of hurdles in their way still. Okay, they have a lot of hurdles in their way still, and the only way Benfica are going to stay in this race is not to be concerned with Sporting. It's going to be concerned with the opponent that is in front of them each and every match. And that's very hard to do with the fixture congestion we have embarked on and what we now have in front of us. So we've seen two matches now where I think the fixture congestion has affected the performance and in turn affected the result. Yes, I'm going to start in this first segment to talk about the Europa League match tonight that just concluded about an hour ago. I'm going to talk about that first and foremost, but I do want to just say to anybody listening that this thing is far from over, okay? And if, listen, if Sporting go on and win every match they have for the rest of the season in the league, if they go on and win the next 14 matches, or even if they win 13 of the 14, okay, Let's not even include our match with them at this time. If they go on to win 13 of the 14, there's nothing Befica can do to stop that type of a run. We only play them twice in the league. Okay, Sporting have only dropped 8 points. This idea that if Ruben Amuni was coaching Benfica, we would be 10 points ahead of him is just not true. First of all, if Ruben Amuni was, not, was coaching Benfica, someone else would be coaching Sporting. And they may be doing even, maybe they wouldn't even have dropped eight points. Okay? They're having one of those seasons. Now, it can come crashing down in just one match. It does not take long, okay? And they have some tough ones coming up. They're going to travel to Aroca. They're going to host us. They're going to travel to Porto, okay? This thing is far from over. And the fact that I have to say this in February, on February the 15th, for a, a league that ends at the end of May, this sh- shouldn't have to be said out loud. This should be known. There is an issue with the, with the culture of football fans in Portugal. Everything is always doom. Everything is always doom. We have seen leads of seven and eight points blown this late in the season. Just a year ago, Benfica's lead of ten became two in the span of about ten days. And why does everyone think it is so impossible for Sporting to do the same thing? Why? Because Ruben Amorim is their coach. Ruben Amorim, who led them to fourth place twice now in his stay at the club. 
people believe he's some kind of magician? Is he a good coach? Yes, he's a damn good coach. But we got a good coach too, guys. Be real for a minute. You may not like every decision. You may not like the the performance. You may not like the brand of football you are seeing. I totally understand all of that. But the numbers do not lie. 20 matches unbeaten now. 20. Our last defeat was November 8th in in San Sebastian against against Real Sociedad. That was our last defeat. Are there things I'm concerned with? You're damn right there are things I'm concerned with. I don't like how we're the goals we're conceding right now. I don't like how uh, how, how clubs are, are, are getting goals on us. I, I want clean sheets first and foremost. And I know this is where myself and the manager are very different. He wants goals scored. What happens with, with this? See, when we signed Roger Schmidt, okay, I said on this microphone, and I said to, to all of you that have been listening this long, that I was fine with this appointment of this manager and that I was going to support this manager, and I have supported and will continue to do so. However, I told you guys that he was going to bring this style that took a lot of risks. When a coach says he'd rather win 5-4 than 1-0, fans go crazy. They love the sound of that. I get nervous. Because you run into parts of the season. You run into runs of form where it gets hard to to finish in front of goal. Okay, When it gets hard to find a goal. When other teams' goalkeepers just seem to have career matches against you. When the posts are just keeping the balls out instead of bouncing them in. Okay, There's a lot of that. And what happens when you want to be that type of team that wins 5-4 instead of 1-0 is when you don't get five goals or you don't get one or you don't get two goals suddenly it's you find matches where you should have the three points and you don't and that's been Benfica's Achilles heel this season is the lack of finishing by and large Benfica have fallen behind a number of times this season you can look at that one of two ways. You can say, well, they've only still only lost one match domestically all season, despite falling behind in a number of matches. That is good. That means when they fall behind, we don't panic. At least I don't. Maybe, maybe y'all do. Maybe y'all do. But I don't, okay? I don't panic when Benfica fall behind. Because we have come from, we have found goals late many times, and we did it again at the weekend. We did it again tonight, okay? Benfica... Among all the teams right now, in Portugal and throughout Europe, I'd be interested to see a table that's just where Benfica rank amongst teams scoring late in matches, after the 80th minute, for example. So, the problem is we're not getting three, four, or five goals. We're getting one or two on at best right now. That's where, that's where we are at the moment. Okay, And uh, that makes it harder to win. That makes it harder to get to put teams away. What happened tonight against Toulouse was that was exactly that. Unable to register that second goal, and Toulouse go down on one opportunity and pull level. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, okay? But that's this is just my my plea to everybody. Let's keep a cool head. Let's keep let's keep uh, logic. And keep rationale at the forefront of our mentality. 
This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It is not decided in February. It is not decided on a rainy night in Guimarães. There is a whole lot of football left to play. And Benfica are alive on all fronts. Okay, Benfica are alive on all fronts. We have the potential for an epic two-legged semifinal in the Portuguese Cup now with our, our neighbors. We'll see what Europe brings us. And we have 13 finals to play in the league. And we have to look at it that way. Yes, players' minutes are going to need to be managed. And yes, that may affect the performance on the pitch. At the end of the day, we got to get the results. Okay? Tonight, we got the result. It wasn't the one I wanted. I wanted a nice, comfortable result to make next Thursday, you know, an afterthought. But that's not what happened. But we need to also remember there's another team on the other side of the pitch that has their own interests. That's not just there to facilitate us. And, you know, this is football, guys. This is football. It's very rare that, you know, Sporting is having the type of season right now, or they're in the type of form, I should say, these past uh, three, four months now that we were in at the beginning of last season. Okay, they're, they're having that moment right now. Guys, they are still at most three points ahead of us, depending what they do with this rescheduled match. Imagine having played like that and having put in those kinds of performances, scored that huge amount of goals, have beaten teams the way they have beaten them, and your struggling neighbor, defending champion, is still only three points behind you. That's going to weigh on them. That's going to weigh on them, and they are going to give us an opportunity to control our own fate so long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. And... I'm going to say right now that I'm behind this team 100%. And I still believe when it gets to May that we will be the champions. Okay? Those of you that that may have uh, followed Tuga Tuesdays over on Nino's uh, YouTube channel or on his his Twitter account at ESPNNino74, I think, is his his, uh, Twitter account. Nino from Gold TV, Nino Torres, the commentator who calls all of the the Liga Portugal matches, or just about all of them. Uh, I join him and myself along with a Porto fan and a Sporting fan. The three of us join him every Tuesday night to talk Portuguese football, to talk Liga Portugal. And you hear me on that, and yes, I am very complimentary to Sporting. I'm very, I'm even very complimentary to Porto on that show. And well. I I think that, uh, you know, here, talking to you guys, talking to my audience, I can say that while, yes, everything I say on that show, I believe, I also, um, I also quietly keep some confidence to myself because, again, this thing is far from over. And the likelihood that Sporting are going to go and win 14 straight matches here or 14 more straight matches, the likelihood is very slim. There will be an opportunity to catch them. I know everyone believes Befica are going are gonna to slip up and, and give this, this title away. I understand that. We have 13 rounds to go. Football changes very quickly. 
at Dave Pereira 80 on Twitter, big Braga fan. He says this all the time. Every time there's an upset, you can count on Dave to tweet, things change quickly in football. He's 110% correct. Things change quickly in football. So let's let's uh, keep the hope. Let's take this one match at a time, guys. One match at a time. I think the biggest problem in the fan base, and you're free to believe this. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to change the way you believe. But what I think, and if you're listening to me, it's because you have some interest in what I think. We got to keep this one match at a time. This is what the great teams do. You don't get caught up in two or three matches down the road. I think Benfica might have done that a little bit this past Sunday. And again, if you heard me on Tuga Tuesday two weeks ago, I said it wouldn't have shocked me if Vitoria got a result against us, and they did. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now, we're going to talk about tonight's matchup: Benfica two-one winners at the Luge over Toulouse. Q. The Europa League music. You know I love this music. Let's have a quick listen. Ah, yes. There it is. The famous Europa League anthem. My favorite piece of music related to football I love that anthem I don't love that Benfica's in this competition and guys it is I have confirmed this is the last time Benfica will be able to be to be relegated so to speak from the Champions League into the Europa League at this stage okay so in the future going forward under the new format under the new um, Swiss model that the European competitions are going to be run next season. There is no more going from one competition to another after the league stage. So there'll be the prelims. And yes, teams that are are knocked out in the Champions League prelims will be dropped into the Europa League. But once we start the league stage, as they're going to call it, what, what is replacing the current group stage that we're used to, there is no more transferring from one competition to another this is Benfica's last chance to make a run at the Europa League title without entering it in the in the beginning of the season in the group stage. So the next time we see Benfica in the Europa League, they will likely not be defending champions. So this is a unique opportunity to make one last run at this competition. And what I mean by that is not I'm not saying we're never going to be in this competition again, but it's our last chance with a title winning side to go after this Europa League the way we did in back to back years oh, about a decade ago now when we went to back to back finals so let's see what Benfica have in store this was not a good r return to the it was not a great return to the Europa League I should say it wasn't a bad one either because there's no such thing as a bad win um, however a more convincing result would be better but let's get into the skinny of it all right round they call or i should say playing round um some of the apps are calling it the round of 32 that makes no sense because there's only 24 teams in the competition at this time but anyhow this is for a spot in the round of 16 let's look at the lineups here 
And I do apologize if my voice starts to go in this episode. I am still recovering from about with the flu that I had earlier in the week and through the past weekend all the way back to the beginning of last week. That's why I did not come out with any more episodes last week. That's why I did not get a, a Liga 3 English out or a, another women's episode uh, out because I just... And why there's three matches to talk about tonight essentially is because I, I just I could not do it. Um, I got that episode, that last episode out um, on a day when uh, my wife and my son were both quite sick and both sleeping most of the day knowing that I probably was going to be next, although three out of four times that my son brings home a virus or brings home some sort of illness, I do get by with minimal effect. This time it got me, though. So that's where I have been, and um, I'm hoping that my voice will will uh, hold up tonight as we talk about these, these three matches. And uh, we're going to start, like I said, with this Europa League first leg. From the Stadio de Luz, the lineup starting for for Carles Martinez's Toulouse side, the, the Spanish. I'm assuming he's Basque by the spelling of Carles, but uh, Toulouse's lineup comes out in a 4-2-3-1 tonight. The goalkeeper is 18-year-old Guillaume Restes, the French. I'm assuming youth international. I mean, if you're starting for a first team in league, oh, at 18 years old in goal, I'm assuming you're playing on one of the youth national teams. He he looked decent tonight. The right back is the Dane, uh, Mikel Dessler. He par- he is part of a back line that also includes a center back pairing of the uh, his compatriot another Dane 26 year old Erasmus Nicholson and and a 22 year old Cape Verdean international Logan Costa who's coming back from a very good showing and a very good tournament at the Afcon congratulations by the way to the Blue Sharks for their very good uh showing at the Africa Cup of Nations I felt for them I thought they were good enough to have beaten South Africa in advance to the last four they were unfortunate in the penalty shootout against the against Bafana Bafana and uh, the Blue Sharks went out. But uh, their country should be very, very proud of their performance. And I'm crossing my fingers and hoping to see Cabo Verde at the 2026 World Cup here in the United States. And I will totally, if they get here and they're not drawn to the group that's in Mexico, I will do everything I can to get to a Blue Sharks match, okay? Uh, I am a big fan of the Cape Verdean national team. I've enjoyed watching them grow over the past years and would love to see them at the World Cup. Uh, the left back tonight was Muasa Diara. He's a 23-year-old Malian. And that is your back four for Toulouse. Double pivot in midfield. You got Steen Spearings, the Dutch defensive midfielder, 27 years old, pairing up with the Swiss Defensive midfielder, 28-year-old Vincent Sierro. In front of them, an attacking midfield three down the right. Aaron Donham, 25-year-old Norwegian. On the left is a 26-year-old Chilean by the name of Gabriel Suazo. And in the number 10 position, 23-year-old Iborian uh, attacking center mid Jan Gboho. And 
They are playing behind the striker for Toulouse tonight, the 23-year-old Dutchman, Thies Dalinga. That is Toulouse's 11 tonight. Roger Schmidt, no surprises in the lineup. Uh, despite a tough match at the weekend, like I said, I'll talk about that episode before we're done here. But coming off a difficult match on a very heavy pitch in some very challenging weather, I think that there was more wear on the players than than people expected. Uh, I'm not surprised. I've played enough matches in, in, in conditions like that. I've coached enough matches in conditions like that to know that the wear on the players is greater than usual, and it adds an extra day to a day and a half of recovery, in my opinion, before the players get back to their normal uh, explosiveness. And, uh, well, that was what was lacking tonight. Uh, one change, I think, in the 11. Two changes in the 11 I see here. So, 4-2-3-1, once again, Truman in goal. Uh, the right back continues to be Auschwitz. Yes, Ba is back, but clearly Ba is not ready for 90 minutes day in, day out. He did get a 90-minute He did get a 90-minute performance uh, either in the cup match or in the last league match uh, two weeks ago. Not the last league match, but the one two weeks ago. And I said right away that was probably because he wasn't going to play at midweek, and it turned out that he didn't. Um, I'm not sure if I said that if it wasn't going to be at midweek or at the weekend. Whenever the last time he played, he played the entire match. And I remember my father asking me why he played the entire match coming back from injury. And I said, I'm guessing because he's probably not going to play in the next match. And that the staff had decided that it was probably better to let him play an entire match rather than to play bits of two matches. Uh, so Auschwitz has returned to his position for, not his position, but what's been his position this season for now. The center back pairing, no surprise, Antonio Silva and Nico Otamendi. And uh, one of the changes is uh, is Alvaro Fernandez or Alvaro Carreras, as we know him. It's Alvaro Carreras Fernandez, I think is his full name. Uh, our new signing, 20-year-old Spaniard, who is on loan from what I understand. I thought it was a permanent signing at the time, but it is in fact a loan with, uh, with a buy option uh, from Manchester United. He gets the start tonight at left back. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but let's go through the rest of the 11. He replaces Moratu. João Neves and Orkan Koksu are the, the two in the double pivot. Thought we'd see Florentino here because Florentino is not available for Sunday's match due to yellow card accumulation. But Roger goes with these two. I get it. I understand what he's going for. I wouldn't have done that, but I, I see what he was trying to go with. He's trying to go with the more attacking pair of the three possible pairs. That's simply what it is. Okay, it, You may not like it. It may not have worked the way we wanted it to, but that is the thought process behind it. The three in front of them, Angel Di Maria down the right, Rafa Silva playing in the number 10 position, and João Mario gets the start, much to most of your dismay at a left midfield. And at this point, I guess it's just really easy to blame everything on João Mario. João Mario was off the pitch, but I'm sure that goal surrendered was his fault. Uh, that's just—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not having this argument anymore with people. You don't like the guy? I get it. Uh, to say that, you know, I'm just just gonna leave it at that. Uh, Arthur Cabral, King Arthur, returns as the striker. He was not chosen as the striker on Sunday. Um. 
the fact that I was ill and was <laughs> under the weather and uh, in and out of consciousness or in, you know, throughout the weekend, I never got a, a grasp as to why he didn't start, why he didn't, yeah, why he didn't start on Sunday in Gimaraish. I'm not sure at this point, but uh, most of you probably know, you probably heard the, uh, the question asked at some point to the manager, and I'm sure he gave an answer. But those are the 11 Benfica put out there tonight. After a first half that was uh, a lot of, um, actually it was a lot more of Toulouse than we would have expected. Toulouse is, you know, near the bottom of the Ligue 1 table. And for anyone who thinks that the Portuguese League is in any way close to the to the French League, look at this team. Look at the way they played in the first, especially in the first 45 minutes. Um, and compare them to Shavs and tell me who's got a better team at the bottom of their table. Okay, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer, and it's not Shavs. Shavs is not better than this team. Okay, this is a this is a, a team struggling in their league, but still with quality that needed to be respected more than I think it was in this match. Benfica are unable to get anything really going in the first half. The best chance of the half was obviously it came from Rafa. It usually comes from Rafa. A lot of you want him gone. I don't understand it. He gets goals and assists, and we don't exactly have someone that that does what he does, and we don't have, right, at this stage, he is still our best option for offense. He's still the one that breaks lines. He's still the one that creates the openings for others to score if he's not the one scoring himself. Him and Di Maria, even though much of the match, it looks like what they're doing is useless. It looks like they're not working. It looks, okay, yes, I know what the aesthetics look like, but at the end of the day, they're still the ones creating the chances, right? Um, Di Maria was crucial in the tying goal on Sunday. Tonight, as you know, he scores twice from the penalty spot. But uh, the first half, we had very little to show for, for our effort other than that ball that went off the bar, thanks to Rafa. João Mario had a good opportunity as well. Everybody hates him, but he came the closest to scoring in the first half. He bent the ball around the defender. It just never, they didn't get enough spin on it for it to bend back towards goal. Uh, very nearly put Benfica ahead. Uh, but in the second half, listen, Toulouse came out better in the first five minutes of the, of the second half, and they picked up a couple crucial set pieces. But in the end, um, they put one on goal that, that Trubin had no trouble with. But if he could start to push forward, we get to the hour mark, it's still nil-nil. You know, at this point, I actually put a bet down on Befica. I went to my to my betting app because off the topic, I've been on, not to toot my own horn, but I've been on a hell of a run betting lately, okay? Let's just say that my video series, by the way, go to my YouTube channel at Michael Gustinho and watch my latest video, episode 9 of my summer my summer stadium series from last year where I visited a whole bunch of matches where I did some, some ground hopping. Go check it out. It's up. I put the link to the video in the show notes. Check it out. Okay. This summer's tour is paid for. Thanks to those of you outside the United States, I apologize for this reference, but thanks to a man by the name of Patrick Mahomes II, uh, his performance in the Super Bowl last Sunday propelled me to win a lot of money. And yeah, my summer trip is paid for. This is I'm feeling on cloud nine despite Benfica's form right now. And maybe that's why I'm so damn positive right now because uh, 
I had one heck of a weekend between that and between uh, the AFCON final and between the Asian Cup final. I really um, brought in some some serious <laughs> some serious coin this weekend. And today I tried to keep that streak going. So at the 60 minute mark, I opened my app and. I looked for plus money in this game. There was not much on the board that was for plus. I found it in the alternate lines. It was the over-under two and a half goals for the total for the match. I took the over at plus 175. Plus 150, excuse me. I took the over at plus 150. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, and this sounds like algebra class, I apologize. I'm almost done. I took the over plus 150 in this match. Total goals. Which me it was total goals of two point five, so it need to be more than two point five, and um, I took it. I, I thought Benfica were still going to win three nil. To be honest with you, I thought they were going to unlock it with with a goal, and from there Toulouse were going to crumble, and Benfica were going were going to win three nil. That was the only place I was going to find plus money on the board, so I took it, and shortly thereafter, well, we get this, we get we get a call first. It's a corner kick. Let me go. I believe it was a corner kick whipped in. Looks routine, looks to be cleared by Logan Costa, by the Cape Verdean. But the referee suddenly tells Di Maria to hold off in, in taking the ensuing corner that resulted from it. And uh, after much deliberation, or much delay rather, uh, the referee, with his hand over his ear listening to the VAR referee, runs to the monitor. It is very conclusive. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the ball comes off Logan Costa's hand and the referee and the referee tonight was was from Lithuania it was Donatas Rusmas and he points to the spot and upsteps Angel Di Maria Angel Di Maria for Benfica up against Skilamrest Di Maria stutters and scores and Benfica lead with 68 minutes on the clock. They have not been at their best, the Eagles. But given the opportunity from the penalty spot, Angel Di Maria was never going to miss. Still plenty of work for Roger Smith's side to do here. But they've got their noses in front at last. Never going to miss, he said. It was very close to missing. <laughs> Di Maria goes right up the middle in the, on this penalty, and the goalkeeper nearly keeps his foot uh, central enough as the goalkeeper does dive to his left, to Di Maria's right, but manages to leave his feet in the center, but by inches, the ball misses the goalkeeper's foot and goes right up the middle and into the goal. Di Maria getting on the score sheet with the penalty conversion in the 68th minute. And I thought we were going to cruise here. And I said, all right, now let's get two more boys and I can win my bet. And you can go to Toulouse next week with a three-goal advantage. However, the French side had other ideas after a few squandered opportunities to make it a two-goal lead. It was only seven minutes later. And uh, here's what it sounded like here on CBS Sports here in the United States. That's where this audio is coming from. Uh, here's what it sounded like very, very shortly thereafter. It was a different tone in the luge. Here it is. Sierra. Angebo. Nicely done. It's Suazo. It's clear by Auschwitz, but straight up in the air. 
Dalinga challenging. Oh, big chance. Equaliser. Mikel Gessler's goal draws to lose level with 15 minutes left in the 90. Mikel Dessler, the Danish right back, volleys it out of the air into the far post and past Anatoly Trubin um, on a goal that was a ball that was popped up in the air on a clear, a poor clearance from Frederick Auschnitz, popped straight up in the air. And then a ball that, I'm going to be honest here, guys, I know how, how everyone feels about this player, and I really like this player. This isn't me... Um, not liking the player, I have very high hopes and expectations for this player, but I'm noticing this is three matches in a row now of an issue, and it's Antonio Silva not getting the ball here. Uh, the ball comes into his area. He does not go up with his marker. He stays on the ground. The first guy he goes up with misses the ball. Uh, Antonio does not challenge for it. It bounces up, hits the Toulouse player, pops up again, to another Toulouse player who flicks it across the goal in the air, loops it around, and everybody's watching. And that's when it, it falls to Mikel Dessler, and he hits it out of the air with his right foot on a volley into the far post. Bad look for Antonio Silva. Bad look for him on Sunday as well. I know nobody's saying this, and it's, it's I'm going to say it, not because I don't like the kid, not because I don't think... He's got a brilliant future, but because we need to rein it in, he needs to realize he's not Ruben Diaz yet. And this isn't an, an attack on him. Maybe he's aware of this. Maybe this is something he's working on. But his decision-making is be, is leaving much to be desired in these last three games specifically. And uh, the second Vitória Guimarães goal on Sunday came partially as a result of his indecis indecisiveness, his inability to, to make a decision and to step to the right guy. Here, he doesn't go up with his marker. He does. He he has two chances to clear this ball. He doesn't on either of them, and it ends up in the back of the net. And just like that, Toulouse pull level. Now, before you all crucify me for criticizing Antonio Silva, again, I think his future is bright. I'm not saying he shouldn't start. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he is a young center back. And what we're seeing in these last couple of games are the reasons a lot of coaches don't trust young center backs. I don't agree with that. I think we take our, our lumps and we continue to trust him. That's personally what I believe we should do. Continue to take our lumps. We're going to give up goals because of him. But he's that good. And we are... Still at our best with him and Otamendi in the back. Um, but this goal we're going to have to eat. And this made this game a lot more difficult than it needed to be. And Mifiko would push forward. Um, Arthur Cabral, King Arthur, would be subbed off in the 87th. This would be his first game in four that he does not score. And I know some people are already back to calling him Picanha and, and this and that. And it's amazing how quickly people turn on players and on coaches in, in, in our culture. But moving on, okay, Benfica do go for the win here. They do push for it. Was it pretty? No. Were they working and trying to get forward? Yes. Toulouse were no longer looking for anything. They were happy with the 1-1 draw. They were sitting in. They looked very much like a two-gone team here in this one. But uh, Benfica's hard work, would it would honestly be paid off here in the closing minutes. 
And to be honest, when we talk in a moment about about the Victoria Guimarães game, it's so, so similar to what happened against us in Guimarães. Uh, here, it's, it's almost the same exact sequence of events, but it's in our favor. And uh, here's the call from CBS. Uh, we'll, they'll explain the, the, the foul in the penalty area as the Toulouse defender stamps on Marcos Leonardo, the substitute who came on for King Arthur Cabral. Um, a little bit lucky, but it was earned. Our players were in the right place. Um, it doesn't happen if Marcos Leonardo doesn't win the ball first and try to set up his teammate. The follow-through on the challenge catches him, stamping on the foot. It's a penalty. It's a penalty in the Europa League. It's a penalty on Mars, on Jupiter. Probably not in the Liga Portugal, though, but fortunately for us, this was not a Portuguese referee. And in the 90th plus 8 Di Maria would step up. Here's the call. Uh, enjoy this one. Di Maria making space in the box. Leonardo tried to get the shot in. And it is the challenge by Christian Moissa that the referee deems to be beyond the pale. He steps on the foot of his opponent, Leonardo. Sierra leads the protests. It'll be checked by the video assistant referee. But they're all being yellow carded here if he saves this. It's Di Maria. Oh, it's there! And Benfica will surely win it. His second successful spot kick of the evening comes in the 98th minute of the game. Benfica relieved to be ahead. They perhaps do not deserve to be ahead in the tie. To call this undeserved is a bit of hyperbole, okay? Yes, Benfica didn't play their best match. I'm, I'm well aware of that. I think everyone agrees on that. However, to say they didn't deserve to win this match in what was these 90 minutes is just dishonest. Uh, yes, Toulouse fought hard. Yes, maybe you can say they earned a draw. But really, they scored on the one opportunity they had. Credit to them. There's no taking away from that. But Benfica had far more opportunities. Benfica had Benfica was the only team looking to win this match at the end. And it is a deserved 2-1 minimum minimum lead to take into the second leg. Lots of work to do a week from tonight in Toulouse in France. But you know what I always say. Whenever Benfica plays in France, Benfica is playing at home. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for an invasion of Benficistas in France. An invasion of of you know, Luzo French immigrants invading the stadium, and not just Luzo French, but the Portuguese all over Central Europe. They always come out in big numbers for these matches. I'm looking forward to next Thursday already. Let's take a look at some stats here, and uh, you'll see what I mean. Even though it may not have looked it to your eyes, uh, when you take a look at the numbers, it's hard to uh, hard to dispute that Benfica were the better team and deserving of the victory here. We look at shots. Benfica 27 to 6 tonight in shots. Uh, shots on goal 5 to 2 in favor of Benfica. Actions in the opponent's area 36 to 24 in favor of Benfica. Six corners to two for Benfica. Pass efficiency. Benfica win that category as well 85 to 78%. 
uh, vertical pass efficiency. Benfica win that also. 70% to 58%. Uh, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield is another victory for Benfica. 20 to 13. While Benfica committed only 7 fouls. That's my one criticism uh, on the stat line. That's a stat I like to see higher. Uh, Benfica do need to commit more fouls than that. Toulouse committed 19. In terms of possession, Benfica 58%. Toulouse 42 Looking at the goal point, okay? I'll, I'm going to pull up the goal point here. And uh, we'll take a look. We'll start with the ratings for Toulouse. They had a, a team average 5.27 with an XG of only 0.4. Okay. Uh, Restes in goal, 5.6. Uh, Dessler, the right wing back, 6.2 was the best. He was the highest rated player for the French side today. Logan Koshla, 4.4. Nicholson, 5.2. Diara, 5.3. So, sorry, 5.0. Suazo, 5.8. Sierro, 6.1. Spearings, 5.1. Uh, Donim was a 4.8. Grono was a 4.6 and Dalinga was a 5.8 coming off the bench. Babika 4.7, Mawisa a 3.0. He was of course, you heard his name there. He was sent off for that for two yellow cards in short succession um both in stoppage time. And he will miss the second leg now. Caceres 5.4, Magri 4.6 and Skicha did not play enough to earn a rating. For Benfica, Trubin with a 4.8 tonight. And I should say first, Benfica's average rating, 6.16. XG of 3.3. Normally, I I give more importance to that. But I do also recognize that that is heavily affected by the fact that Benfica had two penalties. That boosts your, your XG through the roof. Um, so really... Not that high, but still significantly higher than Toulouse's. And again, there was only one just winner tonight. There could only be one fair winner, and that was always going to be Benfica. Trubin, 4.8, like I said. Auschwitz, 6.7. Antonio Silva, 6.2. Otamendi, 5.8. Yeah, he made that criticism of of Antonio Silva. But again, do you want your center back to have a higher rating, or you want your center back to not... Make a mistake that leads to a goal. Okay. Antonio Silva does a million things well. Okay. Very, very good center back. Again, future is bright. Sky is the limit for this kid. Future Centralão, as we say in Portuguese. I don't have the slightest doubt of it. I am a big fan of his, but I am noticing there are things he needs to improve on his game. And it is starting to cost us some results. So I would like to see that pointed out. And I am sure the coaching staff has discussed this with them. As much as people think that the coaching staff and the, the manager just say that everything is good, all right, you need to remember what the manager says in the presser, what he says to the cameras is one thing, what he says in the team room when the doors are shut, when only the players are in there and only the staff is in there, is a different thing. Yes, in front of the cameras, in front of the press, I want my manager always protecting my players. When I was coaching, I would always protect my players I would never throw a player under the bus. It is rule rule number one in coaching. When you win, the team won. When you lose, you take it on. Okay? And and again, when your player makes a mistake, you do not 
point that out to the press. You do not point that out to the media. As much as fans want to hear that, for whatever reason, they feel vindicated when they hear that. The manager is always going to defend the guys in his room, in his team room, okay, in that locker room. That bond is number one, okay, and that crew in there is a family, and they got each other's back, okay. So this that's a sign of a manager that owns this locker room. That's a sign of a, a manager whose players believe in him and who he believes in his players. And yes, it may irritate you, but that's why he does it. Okay, you you may not like it, but you want to. I can bring you a perspective of why that is the why. To like or not to like is a different discussion. We can have that discussion in private if you want, or we can have that discussion however you want to do it. But that's a totally different discussion. Um, but again, 5.8 for Altamendi. Carreras, a 5.1. I thought he, he was Benfica's worst player tonight. Um, really, after this, I'm thinking I, I prefer seeing Moratu there right now. Moratu is, you know, if Moratu was in, okay, if Morato was in here, that that I'm gonna go on a limb and say that that goal does not happen for for Toulouse tonight. Okay, um, Auschwitz was playing on the left at that point because he had to be swapped out because Carreras came off for Ba to come on. That's another switch. I was not I was not happy with Alexander Ba either tonight. Those were the two players I was really unhappy with. Um, Again, uh, Auschwitz not a true outside back. And again, whenever the ball is you know played into the area, when it goes over the top, the outside backs are always susceptible to being beat in the air. While uh, Auschwitz first had a poor a, a poor clearance, had it been Morato, probably would have been a, a better clearance. Morato's got more height; he's better in the air. Um, so I think it, it, had he started, he would have played the whole match and probably cleared that away. Would he have been beaten on the on the dribble? I don't think so. This team didn't really bring much danger down that side. But uh, Kredas did not give us anything tonight. He didn't give us anything going forward to to make up for what we lost defensively. So I'm a little concerned, but it's early. He just got here. He's 20 years old. I get it. He's, he's adapting. He has not trained very much with this back line. He is not really integrated yet into the syncrasies, into the dynamics of that back four. So I totally get it. And I would strongly, strongly favor uh, starting Moratu in the second leg at Toulouse next season. Maybe Carreras. I would go with him again against Vizela on Sunday. But I think next Thursday... In France, it's got to be uh, Morato playing at that position. For me, at least. You may disagree. That's fine. We're, we're all entitled to different opinions. Jean-Marie, had a 5.8. Jean-Nevs, 6.3. I thought Jean-Nevs was better than that tonight. I really liked his game tonight. Um, even though there was no end product tonight and a lot of his work, his work rate was, was fantastic. It didn't lead to much of a an end product, but I liked it. Everybody's mad at Cockshoe, but the but the again the analytics got him at a seven point six rating, uh, second only to Di Maria tonight. And Di Maria's seven point eight is the man of the match performance only because he converted two penalties. That's the one drawback and the one flaw I see in the algorithm for these for these analytics. 
up front, Rafa 5.8. Uh, not a lot from him tonight either. A couple of opportunities he created. Like I said, he put that ball off the bar. If that thing dips in, totally different ball game. Uh, Artur Cabral, a frustrating 5.7 tonight. I, he, he worked hard. I, I like what I'm seeing from him. His hold-up play is good. He's he's using his teammates better. He's starting to understand better what the team needs him to do, and the team is starting to understand better what it is that he knows how to do and what he can do. Um, but sadly, his goal-scoring streak ends at four games here. But again, um, he's my guy right now. There's no question about it. Marcus Leonardo off the bench. I like it. I really That's where I would keep going if it were up to me going forward. Off the off the bench, like I said, Ba has a disappointing five point three. I didn't think he was good at all today. Um, he uh, lost the ball a couple times. He committed a few key fouls in the in the in the opponent's penalty area. Instead of you know when we have them penned back, he's bailing out to loose with a couple of of unnecessary fouls. He's going through a defender's back to get to a ball he has no chance at. We don't need that. He's got to be smarter than that. I know he's coming back from injury. He's got to be smarter than that. Otherwise, we have to keep Auschwitz at that position. So it is up at this point. You guys can get mad at Roger all you want, but at this point, it's up to Alexander Barr to win that spot back. At some point, the players have to take accountability for themselves. And that time has to be right now. So there, there's your ratings for Befica's players. Uh, Nedish also comes off the bench, gets a 5.4. He... uh. Some people on Twitter were pointing out his his out of position and his daydreaming on Toulouse's goal. I haven't had a chance to roll the tape back and look at it. You're probably right. That's not his strength. And again, people want to see Di Maria and Neresh on at the same time. You see what happens. We, we give up a goal. Uh, as soon as Romario came off, we, we give up a goal. Okay, again, you don't want him there. I get it. I get it. But you see what happens when he comes off. I mean... We, we lose balance. It's not that he's off and suddenly it's it's the balance of the team is gone. Not that it was great tonight, but it creates more inefficiencies, more imbalance in the 11, um, especially with two dribblers. And Di Maria is the hero tonight because he converts two penalties. Let's be honest. He was not good. He was not good. He lost a lot of balls. He did have a hand in, in that second penalty being created as well although you heard him there creating space the ball falls for Marcos Leonardo and he takes the foul uh, largely in part to the space created on the dribble by Angel Di Maria but um, again this is the this is what we're going to get this season with Di Maria there's no sense in crying complaining about it he's going to go through long periods of matches where he gives you nothing on, and quite frankly where he's he's a liability at times with turnovers in bad areas but then when it matters, when it's on the line, your boy comes through, okay? Showing his legend status, okay? Uh, converting two nervy penalties. I, I liked the second one better than the first one. I didn't like that first one. Um, I also don't understand why he, he why on the second penalty he put it right to the spot that the goalie dove to in the first one. Goalie. Could have saved it if he was a little bit uh, the goal, goalie restless. If he was a little bit quicker to it, um, I, I after watching the Afcon and watching all the shootouts, it, it just it it may even as a neutral, I'm tearing out my hair watching players sh- take a penalty and put the ball to the same exact spot the goalie just saved the previous penalty on. I don't understand why professional players do that uh, at. At a top level, you have to be able to shoot your penalty to more than one spot. And 
if you you know a goalie likes to dive to a spot when he's just saved a ball there and he looked great doing it. Go to his other side. Go up the middle. Di Maria goes to the goalkeeper's strong side. Not sure why he did that, but he converted. All is done. All is fair. But if he could get a deserved victory, despite everything I've said for the last hour, but if he could get a deserved victory, 2-1, to one, minimum, minimum, minimum lead that they're going to take back to France. Or not back. They're going to take with them to France next week. And hopefully in front of what I'm expecting to be a large contingent of Benfica supporters, they'll close out the round and book the trip to the round of 16 here in the Europa League. All right, that wraps up the talk about the Europa League. Um, But just to close the book on on the Europa League for tonight, I am going to read off the results, the other first leg results. In this play-in round, Feyenoord won, Roma won. That one will be decided at the Olimpico next season, next week. Excuse me. Um, as we all know by now, the special one, Jose Mourinho, no longer in charge at Roma. Tiago Pinto, no longer the sporting director there. Meanwhile, in Istanbul, Galatasaray were 3-2 winners over Sparta Prague. This one will shift to Chechia next week into their capital in Prague. Sparta will look to overturn this one goal deficit. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk at home tonight. I'm assuming they're playing in Poland. Uh, at home to Olympique Marseille. This one finishes 2-2. It'll be decided at the Velodrome next week. In Switzerland, young boys hosting Sporting. And the Lions continue to roll. 3-1 winners on the road tonight, bringing a two-goal a two lead home to the Alvalade next week. I fully expected them to to advance. And to be honest, even looking at it from the standpoint of the league, we need Sporting to continue to, to advance in this competition. The worst thing that could happen for Benfica right now is for Sporting to be eliminated from the Europa League and suddenly not be playing two matches a week. Uh, in this frantic period where we're going to be playing two matches a week as well. Um, and that includes, you know, we've got two TASA matches with them as well. The first one coming up on the 29th of February. So, again, uh, as soon as, as this round is over, the very next uh, midweek, we are going to we are going to see see Sporting in the the first leg will be at the Alvalade in the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup. So we need them to continue to to advance. Absolutely. If we want them to slip up in the league, the worst thing that can happen is that they go out prematurely from this competition. At the San Siro, AC Milan with 3-0 winners over Rennes. Um, Meanwhile, at the quarry up north, Praga. Another drumming. I mean, this is... Three losses in a row now in all competitions. I think they absolutely emptied their tank winning the the League Cup because since then it's been three straight losses tonight. They lose 2-4 at home to Quarabag FK. And in France, Lens draw 0-0 with Freiburg. So the reverse fixtures will be next Thursday. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back. We're going to try to go quickly through the Vitoria Guimarães match and talk a, a little bit about the Vizela match as well. This is Mr. Benfica episode 181. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. I will be right back. <laughs> 
And welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Welcome back to the second half. And it's going to be a quick one as we've already gone over an hour. Uh, we're going to talk first about the league match here on the road in Guimarães in Uberso de Portugal, the cradle of Portugal, the first capital, Vitória Sport Club. We'll get out of the habit of calling them Vitória Guimarães. There is no such club as Vitória Guimarães. It is Vitória Sport Club. Hosting Sport Lisboa Benfica at the Dal Alphonse Enriques. And this is in front of a capacity crowd of 25,015. This is what it should be every match in Guimarães for Vitória, one of the best supported clubs in Portugal. And, um, well, they're, they're treating their fans to a fantastic season this year. Uh, right now, Vitória sitting on 40 points with a plus 12 goal difference. 12 wins, 4 draws, and 5 defeats right now for the Conquistadores. And uh, let's take a look here. Luis Godinho was the referee for this one. Let's take a look at the lineup starting with the home side. And for their manager, Alvaro Pacheco, Charles is the goalkeeper, the Brazilian, with a three-man center back, uh, tan not tandem, a three-man center back trio. Uh, Borokovic is the deep-lying center back. To his right is Jorge Fernandes. And to his left is Tomás Ribeiro. The wing-backs on the right is Bruno Gaspar, the Angola international back from the AFCON. And on the left is the 25-year-old Portuguese uh, left-sided wing-back Ricardo Mangues, a center uh, midfield pairing of Tomás Handel, the Portuguese midfielder, and another Portuguese central midfielder, 30-year-old Thiago Silva. And they're playing behind an attacking three. Down the right, the very talented Jota Silva, who I think is going to be a player who takes... He's probably the next player to take the jump, either abroad or to one of the big... The big three here from this Vitoria side. Clearly B Vitoria's best player. He plays down the right. Down the left is Nuno Santos. Uh, former Benfica player Nuno Santos. Yes, this is him. This is the one that played at uh, Charlotte FC here in the United States for a short while. Got himself in a little bit of legal trouble. Um, was kind of hidden off in the in the reserves that crown they call the team Crown Legacy the 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 B team if you will for Charlotte FC. Uh, I saw him play not last season but the season before in New Jersey against the New York Red Bulls. Uh, he's a talented player. Went from went from Benfica's B team to to Charlotte FC, and now is back in Portugal playing with Vitória Guimarães. Played very little in Major League Soccer for what that's worth, but he gets the start down the left and the striker. For Vitoria is the 26-year-old Brazilian Andre. All right, for Benfica in their very usual uh, lineup. Although on paper it looks different. It's funny how this happened. Quick story. Again, I was not feeling well on Sunday. Um, and I was also stressing about what bets I was going to place on the Super Bowl that night. Uh, because that is that is a business day for me. It is not a, a party day like it is for other people. The Super Bowl for me is a, is a day business is conducted um i get a, a a message from nino the commentator at gold tv and he says what's going on with rafa as the striker and my first uh my first inclination to reading that message is that uh, i doubt he's the striker but i'm guessing that uh they're not playing with a striker today so on paper it's a 4-3-3 it's not quite the 4-3-3 people wanted to see 
But we do actually get, I, I have to correct what I said uh, in the last segment. Ba gets the start here. And I apologize, like I said, in this match I was in and out of consciousness. So I'll talk about the parts I remember, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, ba got the start here, so it's no surprise that uh, he didn't start tonight in France. So perhaps he's be in. No wonder, you know, I just said how I didn't think he was very good today. Now it makes sense. He's coming back from an injury. He played, you know, the full match on Sunday. I had forgotten that. Um, this is why I shouldn't go so many days between episodes. But this time I couldn't help it. <laughs> but he gets to start it right back. Uh, Antonio Silva and Nico Otamendi as the two center backs. And the left back is, as I said, Moratu. Uh, in midfield, there's a trio in midfield in this one. Auschnitz, Kokshu, and João Neves. Uh, Kokshu not having a good one. Uh, the, the the conditions did not serve him well. He was unlucky to give away the penalty. Yes, it was clumsy, but it was also very much due to the conditions of the pitch. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And up front, um, without a real nine, I guess we went for the false nine in this one. And I will criticize the manager for this if I don't understand why... Um, if King Arthur couldn't start in this one, I don't understand why Marcus Leonardo doesn't get the start here uh, so that we have a proper striker. But he goes with Rafa playing. But Rafa, in the end, played his position. He just dropped into the gap between the midfield and, and the strikers, which kind of left João Mario in a win in a situation he can't win either. So, listen, for all the criticism, for all the defending I've done of Roger Schmidt, this 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 lineup was not was obviously a miss, and I think he knows that. And just because he doesn't say it in front of the press doesn't mean he doesn't know it and doesn't mean he, he he's going to make this mistake again. So Di Maria on the right, Dromario on the left to, to close it out. So, again, uh, the story of the match is the pitch. I mean, waterlogged. Not much you can do, but, I mean, there was standing water. And this is not an excuse because Vittoria adapted brilliantly to, to the conditions, adapted brilliantly to the 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 waterlogged pitch, they simplified their game. They they moved the ball through the air more. They they played more direct. We just continued to look for Rafa and Di Maria to do things off the dribble. Uh, there was one point. Ba made a pass to Antonio Silva. It went literally maybe ten meters before it died in a puddle. I mean, just Befica not thinking in this match, okay? And, and maybe yes, Roger puts the wrong team out, perhaps, or at least the wrong system of play out. But again, players are the ones that play the game. Players need to take accountability. Players are the ones that miss marks. Players are the ones that come in at late challenges and give away penalties. Players are the ones that miss sitters. Okay, none of that is the manager that does any of those things. At the end of the day, the players are top-level professionals. This is a big match. This is as big. I've said this. This is as big, especially on the road. It's as big as a game against Porto or a game against Sporting or a game against Braga. It is a big five in this league in terms, uh, especially of away matches. This is one of very few stadiums in the country where Benfica will go in and they are not the team with more fans. 
This is a crowd that was very much in favor of the home team. And this is what you get when you go to Guimarães to play Vitoria. But if he needed to raise their level, and they didn't. They didn't adapt to the conditions. Ultimately, that was the story of the match for me. It was a lack of adaptation, a lack of imagination. And it wasn't until desperation set in late that they actually figured out that they have to play more direct and they have to whip balls in. And that the goal was likely going to come out of the air, not on the ground. But it took them too long to figure that out. And, of course, uh, we'll start with 35th minute. A big mistake from uh, Orkan Kokshuk, who, again, this these conditions do nothing for his game. Um, he struggled all match to, to deal with the puddles, to deal with the heavy the heavy turf, to deal with the waterlogged ball, with the, the tackle. I mean, Vitoria's tackles were insane. They love sliding on the wet pitch and just coming through. We'll see a, a sending off in the second half for the center back Barakovic. And it's a it's an absolute brutal tackle. And I actually this morning while I was at work I listened to uh the name of the podcast is uh a Te Sempre Vitoria, I think it is ASV. Um or A V S maybe. Maybe it's no, it's a Te Sempre Vitoria. I think that's the name of the podcast. It's a good podcast in Portuguese. Vitoria Guimarães podcast, okay? I had to fast forward through learning. I actually learned on that podcast that we have a polo team and that Vitoria beat us in polo last week as well. Uh, apparently, they are the defending four-time back-to-back-to-back-to-back champions in polo. Vitoria is, and uh, they're well on their way to the Penta this year. Congratulations to them. I didn't even know we had a polo team. I thought they were talking about water polo at first, but no, it was not polo aquatico. It was just polo. So um, once I got through all that and I heard these guys break down this match, I more or less agreed with with their analysis. They were a little harder on the referee, Godinho, than I am. They thought that Florentino should have been sent off. Nino thought that as well on Goal TV. I am not convinced after watching that that replay. Um, Tino reaches for the ball, doesn't get it, but I'm not even 100% con- convinced he gets he gets Nelson Oliveira either. Our former player Nelson Oliveira came on as a substitute in this in this one. He was he's a new addition to Vitoria, signed from Pauk from Pauk uh, recently. I think he was playing at Pauk recently in the Greek Super League. Um, but the the play that really made the difference here it was Kokshu in the 30 35th minute is is when the penalty was taken he uh he comes in late he gets he gets one of the Vitoria players i don't remember if it was if it was uh Tiago Silva if it was Jota Silva I, I don't remember who he got here but it was a clear penalty there's no there's no nothing to to uh complain about the Vitoria fans were also pretty upset that Jota Silva was booked early in the match and said that that really hindered uh, Vitoria's ability to press Benfica. I think they may have a valid point there. I, I don't particularly remember the challenge, so I'm not going to comment on it either way. But by and large, I agree. With, I agreed with what they, they saw on their end. And it is interesting sometimes to hear the perspective of the other team. Um and on the off chance any of them are listening, it's a fantastic podcast. If you want to learn about another team, if you want to see how fans live and experience supporting a club outside of the big three in Portugal, I highly recommend a Test Sempre Vitoria on uh, wherever you get your podcast players. If you you know understand Portuguese, of course. Anyhow, um, up steps Tiago Silva for for the 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 captain steps up to take the penalty. 
and he converts at a very well-taken penalty going into the roof of the netting. Nothing Trubin can do. I was hopeful because Trubin is quite good at defending penalties, but uh, uh, no, he couldn't get to this one. And um, we thought he'd take the lead. And they take that lead uh, into halftime. No, they don't. Excuse me. I, I, I'm remiss. Five minutes later, Rafa pulls level in a goal that the Vitoria fans thought he was offside. I remember watching this. Of course, I watched this on my phone with one eye open, one eye shut. Again, I probably had a temperature of 100 or 101 at this point in Fahrenheit. So, again, I may be imagining some of the things I talk about here in this match. But um, the ball was whipped across from Auschwitz, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, it, it came across, and I remember seeing Rafa behind the ball. I think he was ahead of all the defenders, but behind the ball. I could be wrong, but um, the VAR did not did not uh, wave him offside. I remember one of the hosts from, from Ates Sempre Vitoria said that he didn't believe Rafa was offside, but he also was not onside by 24 centimeters. And I have never, I have never trusted those measurements that they put on the screen. I don't know why they do that. So he could be right. The other three uh, hosts thought that Rafa was offside. Listen, if it's my team, I'm inclined to probably think like them. So it is what it is. Rafa scores again. Another goal for the guy that everybody wants to, to cast off of this team. And it goes 1-1 to halftime. I thought Befica from there were going to take care of this. I thought they were going to find a second and they were going to win like they've been doing. Because Befica falling behind 1-0 now is nothing new, unfortunately. And um, I long for the days of, of clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. But, again, that's not the reality right now. Come off in the second half. Bavica struggling, no doubt. Struggling with the conditions. Vitoria not struggling. Vitoria nearly go ahead on a couple of occasions. Thrubin called on to make very good saves. Again, the point we, we got in this match, a large part of it comes from the work of Anatoly Thrubin. And listen, if at the end of the season we're the ones celebrating in the Marques, remember the saves and the points that Thrubin has delivered in the past two months. Okay, they have been crucial he has saved victories and saved draws and that cannot be understated and this was one match again where he was on his head playing very very well as my my voice is starting to cut out so i'm gonna wrap this up um but anyhow in the 61st minute it is andrea the striker who gets on the score sheet thanks to a play in transition Vitoria were so good in transition in these conditions. I, I I applaud them. They were very, very good in this match. And again, sometimes it's not just Benfica not playing well. There are times you have to give credit to the opposition for coming through. And in this match, Vitoria were just phenomenal. Apologize again. I had to drink there because I don't have much voice left. But um, Vitoria were, were very, very good in this one. Ball came down the right, and it is Jota Silva taking on Moratu. And yet, this time, Moratu gets beat on the dribble. That's where he's he's susceptible. But I, after what I saw from from uh, Alvaro Carreras today, I am convinced that, and I was at the time, you know, 60-40 convinced, 60% convinced that Roger made the right decision in that specific position. 
And after what I saw tonight, I'm 100% convinced that that was who needed to play that match. It would have been worse if Moratu was not uh, on the pitch on Sunday. I can't imagine Kredas defending Jota Silva in any way, shape, or form. Uh, right now, with the the way you know he he's just not integrated into the back line. He's just not familiar with the movements, with the when to s- sink in, when to drop, when to step. All these things that you need in a cohesive back line. And then uh, Otamendi is forced to step out to try to to deny the ball, deny the service of the ball. Shota Silva recognizes that, spots the run of Andrea. Unfortunately, Antonio Silva does not spot the run of Andrea. Antonio Silva is not sure what to do. He takes a split second too long to make up his mind. Just like a goalkeeper that comes out halfway and stops, he starts shifting towards the, the, the space that Otamendi left behind. Then he takes a look. I don't know. He gets confused for a second. I don't know if he thinks he should stay. Now, the way this works is Otamendi slides left. This would have been left. To step to the ball. The entire back line is supposed to step left. With the midfielder dropping into the far the far position. For balance. I'm not sure what Antonio Silva was trying to do. He did not do that. He did not pick out Andres run. There was only one place this ball was going to be served. And it was served on a platter. Brilliant. Just a brilliant bit of touch. And just the right amount of force. And bend put on the ball. Along the ground by Jota Silva. Right onto Andrea. And he puts it in the far post. Great goal. But again. Antonio Silva. Moment of, of just confusion or indecisiveness. I don't know exactly what it was. He doesn't get to the right spot. And um, it's an easy, easy inside of the foot redirection to the far post. And that's what makes us start to kind of find a little bit of a groove. Unfortunately, he's in the last half hour looking for a tying goal. And it comes late, so uh, it wouldn't be an episode of Mr. Benfica if I don't have an appearance from my friend at Gold TV, Mr. Nino Torres. So here is Nino calling the equalizer very, very late now, after 90 minutes. Take it away, Nino. It's all you. Yeah, in the skies, the protection for the conquerors. 89 and counting. Angelito is coming. The cross in the skies, the king, the king, the king of Lisbon gets the equalizer. Third consecutive goal in the Primera Liga for King Arthur. So King Arthur with the goal in stoppage time to rescue a point. And honestly, fans don't like this. And it's it's not what you want to be saying, but Roger Schmidt was correct when he said this was a point one because we were moments, just moments, from taking zero points. And I think the fallout would have been much more catastrophic had we had we lost this match. The one point keeps Sporting at most, like I said, only three points ahead of us versus being four, which means they're one game ahead of us. We can still make it up with, you know, Possibly in one slip up, but at the very least, we can get this under three points by the time we visit them in April. But it's going to require a real—it's uh, going to require a real gut check and a real showing of character from this Benfica team in the next several weeks. So again, the only way to get there is to do this one match at a time, not to get caught up in. Um, 
you know, in, in what the other team is doing, there there's just no point in that. It's to continue to focus on what we have to do each match one at a time, starting this Sunday against Vizela once again at home. Vizela, like like I said, we previously just just beat them two to one on the road in the Portuguese Cup up at their stadium a week ago tonight, basically, um, or a week ago yesterday. So it's a very, very tough, uh, it's going to be a very tough string of matches. Every match is going to be tough because of the immense pressure that is it is on Benfica, but it would be considerably worse if Benfica hadn't rescued a point here. I do agree. I do believe that. And again, you're free to disagree. Um, some people said that this was the end of the season, that that you know, Sporting won the title this weekend by smashing Braga and us dropping points. I don't. I think it's way too early for that. I've seen too many things in football to believe that. But again, to each his own. Free to believe what you want. Let's take a look at the rest of the results in the Liga Portugal this past week. It was round twenty-one. It started on Friday night at the Ribuleira Estrela Amadora. 3-0 winners over Portimonense. That match played in front of a crowd of 1,437. There's there's a ongoing theme with these attendances. Uh, over to Algarve on Saturday, it was Ferenc hosting Famalicão. Uh, Family Count took an early lead on the road thanks to Sohizo in the 19th minute, but in the closing moments, Duarte, Bruno Duarte to be exact, got on the end of a ball from Christian uh, Ponde and Farens rescue a point in stoppage time in front of 4,815 at the Stadio San Luis in Faru. Like we said, 1 1, a share of the spoils to each. Moreira dos Conegos, Moreirense hosts Chaves, last place Chaves. Estádio Desportivo, Comendador Joaquim da Almeida Freitas, longest stadium name in Portugal. Um, uh, Moreirense 1 0 winners in front of 1,340. Their goal was scored by Madsen in the 73rd minute. At the Bessa, Boa Vista, the checkered side, winning 2-1 at home against an upstart, Istoril. Perhaps they're feeling a little bit of the burn from, from the League Cup as well, making a great run to the final, including in uh, eliminating Benfica, but unable to beat Braga in the final and perhaps um, having a hard time getting back on track here. Uh, as Boavista's goals were scored by Vincent Sasso and by Robert Bosnick, the Slovenian international. Istorils would rescue one goal. They would cut it back in half thanks to Alejandro Marks. So it is uh, 2-1 to Bovista in that one at the Besa. And the attendance in this match was 7,112. Not exactly uh, a full house at the Bessa, as is always the case. Riuav hosting Casa de Pia in Vila do Conde. And again, this one, I'm not even going to call this a stadium. This is at the, the, the bleachers or at the stand, the one stand uh, at the Riuav Stadium um, in Vila do Conde. As we said, 2,682 in attendance. 
And uh, Rio Ave, 1-0 winners over the Geese, over Casapia. Os Gansos, as, uh, well, the Casapianos, the Gansos, the Geese, they uh, drop another another result as the season is getting increasingly difficult for them. This one was not decided until late. Yakubu in the 88th minute gave Riuav the victory. But the good news for Casapia is their stadium project finally got approved by the board or by the city government, the municipality of Lisbon, this week. So the Pinamanic Stadium renovations will, I guess, begin. And they'll be able to play in their home stadium for the 2025-26 season. Until then, it's trucking up to Rio Maior, and they're going to have to work hard to stay in the first division in the meantime. But it is good news for Casapia, and I like Casapia, and I want them to stay in the first division. They're a historic club, and uh, we need more clubs like them in it, and less uh, less plastic clubs. You know, God forbid an AVS coming in next season. Sporting 5-0 winners in one of their most convincing performances of the season at home over a battered Spraga side who has just absolutely been battered now three matches in a row. Uh, disappointing turnout, though, at the Alvalade. Only 39,851 for the league leaders playing the best football they have played maybe in a generation. And um, still less than 40,000 show up. And uh, that's uh, that's a disappointing number. That is a disappointing number. And there is a serious problem with attendances in the Liga Portugal. I'm not even going to put, I'm not even going to talk about the second division. I tweet those out every time I see them. They are just embarrassing. And as you know, Benfica 2-2 draw in Guimarães. And then Monday. Talk about streaks. Another match where my bet, this was a bet I lost, guys, and I'm happy I lost. I put this one down to be a draw. I was set to win 50 bucks. This was a small bet. I was set to win 50 bucks on it. Uh, but you know what? Roca did it one better. Roca 3, Porto 2, and um, I lose the bet because it wasn't a draw, but I'm very happy about that. As Porto dropped three more points at the Stadio Municipal de Oroca in front of 3,157 jam-packed. A rare uh, full house for Oroca. And, well, they they um, sent their home fans happy. But the, you know, nine-tenths of the stadium that were Porto fans obviously not happy. Uh, the goals in this one from the three Spaniards, as Nino calls them. He called it on Tuga Tuesday. Mujica, Gonzalez, and Yeson were the goal scorers for Roca. Evan Nielsen got a pen for Porto. And then Chico Conceição in the 86th cut the lead to one. But Porto could not find that equalizer to land me an extra 50 bucks. But again, no problem. Tuesday, Gil Vicente, Nil Vizela, one. And now the next round begins on Friday, February the 16th, tomorrow for me. And it is uh, probably already going on by the time most of you listen to this. But the nightcap, only one game on Friday, family count hosting Riuav. Saturday, Chaves host Boavista, Portimones host Vitoria, and Porto host Estrela Amagora. On Sunday, Casapia welcome Arroca to Rio Maior. Benfica versus Vizela is Sunday at the Luge. It is a 6 o'clock Portuguese time. Kickoff 1 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States, 10 Pacific. 
At the same time, Istoril will host Gil Vicente. And in the nightcap, 8.30 Portuguese time, up in the quarry, uh, Braga host Ferenc. And then Monday, one match, Moreirense welcome the leaders Sporting to uh, the longest stadium name in Portugal, up there in Moreira. All right, let's look at the table now that we've got the fixture list out of the way. Benfica, for now, sitting in the top spot, kind of, um, not really, but we'll... <laughs> But for now, uh, that that's that is you know where where the rules of the competition place us. Uh, Fifty-two points, same number of points as Sporting. Sporting, of course, with a match in hand that they need to make up against Famalicão. Third place now belongs solely. Well, I, I should say dropping back a bit further in third place is Porto with forty-five points. If Sporting win their match in hand, Porto will be ten points out of first place. Fourth place for the time being belongs to Braga, and I'm well. Yes, I am sure why they drew. Um, Braga have forty points. So does fifth place Vitoria. That's how close Vitoria was seconds from going into fourth place and claiming a Europa League spot. Uh, for now, fifth place is not a Europa League spot, but that will depend, of course, on whoever wins the Portuguese Cup, and I'll talk about that in about thirty seconds. Uh, moving down the table, though, in sixth place is Morinense with 35 points, five points behind their two Minu uh, neighbors, Vitoria and Sporting Club Braga. Roca up to seventh now as they continued four straight wins now for Roca. Uh, they have 28 points from 21 matches. Ferenc are eighth with 26 points. Bovista ninth. With 24 points. Family count 10th with 23. Gilles Vicente 22 points in 11th place. Istoril 21 points in 12th place. While Riuav also on 21 points. But with a lesser goal difference. Uh, in 13th place. Strela Amadora are 14th with 21 points. Also to 3. Four teams with 21 points. I stand corrected. 15th place. Portimonense also on 21 points and now you get into the relegation zone in the relegation playoff spot right now with 20 points is Casa Pia I said that they're they're in a tough spot right now they've really got to turn it around if they want to stay in the division uh that's 16 the race for that I should say race the fall for that 16th place will be an interesting uh battle throughout the you know these last 13 weeks of the season, the last third of the season, if you will. Vizela, four behind him, four points from relative safety or, or the possibility of safety right now. 16 points from 21 matches. And in rock bottom, it is Shavj. The Flavians have 14 points, um, although they've picked up three draws in their last five. Uh, they, they sit two behind Vizela and six points from... From possible safety in 16th place. All right, let's take a look now at the leaders in the league. We'll start with the goal. We're only going to look at the goal scorers. It is Jorcare, uh, Victor Jorcares of Sporting with 16 goals. Simon Banza is back from the AFCON. He's second with 14 for Sporting Braga. Rafa Mujica of Oroca has 13 while Samuel Ascende of uh, Vizela has 10. So does Hector Hernandez of Chavge, Andrea, Paulinho, Rafa, 
Cristo González, Evan and Evan Nielsen, all with nine goals as we speak. The rounding it out in the top ten is Robert Bosnick of Bovista with eight, and then a whole slew of other guys. Actually, no, just two. One, two other guy. One other guy with eight. That is Bruno Duarte of Ferenc, and then you have a whole slew of guys with seven. All right, so that is it for the league. Let's talk Tasa de Portugal really quickly. Again, Benfica picking up a win, uh, a needed win, obviously, because Benfica want to win this competition badly. Benfica have gotten to the semifinals once again, and it'll be played over two legs against Sporting. Um, in Benfica's 2-1 win over Vizela, the goals were scored by Arthur Cabral and by João Mario. Benfica took the foot off the gas, though, unfortunately, after that second goal. And just a few minutes later, Petrov scored for Vizela, making it 2-1 and making the last 20 minutes of this match, plus stoppage time, quite nerve-wracking. Would have appreciated uh, an easier just 2-0 victory. But it's never easy when it's Benfica. Let's be real here for a minute. <clears throat> the other games in the quarterfinals, Vitoria Sport Club 3-1 winners over Gil Vicente. They're going to await the winner of Santa Clara Porto. That's because Santa Clara Porto was uh, abandoned due to a waterlogged pitch, much like what we saw on on Sunday in Guimarães. However, anyone that knows o Estadio do, do, do San Miguel in Ponta Delgada, that, that pitch does not hold water very well, and, and it's understandable. The match will be replayed or resumed. I believe on February the twenty, February the twenty seventh, is when it is slated to be to be re, restarted, I suppose, or resumed. I'm not sure if they're gonna pick it up where they left off. That's what it says here on Fault Mob that it's gonna be resumed, and that will be February the twenty seventh again. Santa Clara Port. The winner will take on Vitoria Sport Club in the two legged semifinals, and then of course the final is May the twenty sixth. For now, at the Jamur, every Benfica fan is um, says that with reluctance. Not sure that there seems to be a, a conspiracy to keep Benfica from playing at the Jamur. If you notice, the last two finals we went to, they, they played it in Coimbra. So um, those are the only two finals to be played in Coimbra <laughs> recently. So interestingly enough, but we'll see what happens. Um, it should be a good tie between Benfica and Sporting. Like I said, the first leg is February the 29th. The second leg will be, I believe, at the the second leg will be April the 3rd. So we will see a Benfica Sporting at the Luge four days before Benfica travel to Alvalade for that match in the league. So it's going to be an interesting week there, that first week of April between Benfica and Sporting. That's all I've got a voice for today. Liga 3 English returns hopefully tomorrow. Maybe by the time you hear this, it's already in your player. Uh, hopefully my voice is able to do that. Um, but that's going to do it. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinho. I am signing off. Thank you for listening to me uh, ramble on tonight. Thank you for listening to me uh, You know, throughout the years, of course. And, um, and I'm happy to be back on this microphone talking. Even if it doesn't always seem like it, I am happy to do this. I do enjoy this. And um, I'm Benfica through and through. There is, uh, you know, I, I, no matter how bad things go, I always can't wait for the next match, and I can't wait for Sunday. And I'm going to try to come to you after the match Sunday, um, Monday night at the latest. I'll record Monday night at the latest. 
because I can't let these matches pile up because I like the format of the show when we have just one match to talk about. So we'll have plenty to talk about at that time. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the match Sunday. Carrega Benfica. Forza Benfica. Hashtag we are Benfica. E pluribus unum. And remember, if you love football, you love Benfica. Take it easy, everybody. Peace.